You're listening to Midlife State of Mind Podcast, hosted by Aaron Beadle and Belinda Fleming, two gals who dish on all the challenges and opportunities that come with this middle section of your life. Each episode, you'll find yourself going between laughter and tears as they cover all the topics you need to know about midlife. Welcome back to Midlife State of Mind. We're your hosts, Erin Beadle and Belinda Fleming. We are so glad to have you back with us this week, and we want to give a special shout out to our listeners in Dominican Republic. Thanks for tuning in week after week. Yes, we are so grateful for all of our listeners, and if you have a moment this week to give us a five-star rating and a written review, we would greatly appreciate it. It helps us to reach more listeners, and it helps us to move up in the streaming platforms. You can also find out more about Belinda and myself on our website, midlifestateofmindpodcast.com, and find out any information about our upcoming retreat in Italy in October. So today we want to dive into a topic that might resonate with many of you, understanding stillness and even looking at the opposite side of the coin, understanding our resistance to stillness. I have a funny story about stillness. So we started yoga teacher training. It's been over 10 years. And when I first came to yoga, I tried it in my 20s. I tried it in my 30s. Couldn't do it. Then in my early 40s, I decided, you know what? I need to get some balance in my life, balance in my, but in my body because I was having just some issues with balance and I need flexibility. So I started going to a yoga class at my gym, at my local gym, and I was that person. And because I felt it was okay because it was a gym and not a yoga studio, and now, of course, I shudder that I even did this, but I would come in late after she did the seated you know, meditation, like guiding us to our breath, and then I would be the one that would leave before Shavasana. So you were avoiding both at the beginning and the end the opportunity to be still with yourself. Absolutely. I was like, ain't nobody got time for Shavasana. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, fast forward to 10 years later and we realize it's the most important posture of them all. And I was so resistant to being still. Well, we know that for some, the idea of being alone with your thoughts and embracing silence can feel uncomfortable. And you're describing exactly that. It can even be unsettling. So basically by sharing that personal story, we just want our listeners to know they're not alone. Exactly. And I didn't start out being able to do it for any longer than a few seconds. And one of the things I think, especially in this day and age, I mean, maybe a hundred years ago, it was easier to be still because we didn't have all of these things coming at us all the time. Social media, we can get news 24 seven. We can always have technology is at our fingertips and the world moves at such a frenetic pace that exacerbates all of that idea of, you know, the adverse um, pushback to stillness. It, It basically makes it so that makes stillness almost next to impossible when we buy into the pace that society runs at, right? We can all continue this fast-paced lifestyle if that's what we are resonating into because of we're goal-oriented or if we're trying to achieve some financial goal, right? It could be lots of different reasons, but we still are here today to help you find a way to incorporate it somehow, some way into your daily routine. Right. You know, we talked about this word several episodes ago, and I said it's my favorite word, and it is, is equanimity. There is another word, a Greek word called apatheia, which was coined by the Stoics, and it's says that the whole world could be at war and you could still be still think well work well and be well and this whole idea of like finding the peace and the chaos even amidst which equanimity 
right? It's like no matter what's going on around you, you can still have that inner peace. And I think that's what doing this podcast on stillness, we're not trying to say that it's easy. We understand that stillness can be challenging, but we're here today to uncover why and help navigate ourselves and everyone that's listening today through it. So we want to acknowledge that everyone has their own unique reasons for maybe avoiding solitude or practices like meditation. And we're not saying that everyone needs to go sign up for a meditation certification course and become a meditation guru. Or go on a 10-day silent retreat. Right. That's not (laughs) what we're saying at all. But it could be the fear of facing unresolved emotions or the misconceptions that being alone equates to loneliness. That's not true. Like we have to come to this state of equanimity and whatever reasons that we may or may not be willing to sit with this idea of stillness and kind of crack the code to each individual person is on their own journey. And I do want to say when you said that about that being alone isn't loneliness, we know that is true because it's a very common thing that you can be lonely in a crowd of people. So the opposite can be true. Right. So just because you're alone in your thoughts, it doesn't mean that it's a feeling of loneliness. I think also sometimes that people push back against stillness. I know this is why I did was because I felt like I needed to always be productive. Like, I felt like, okay, I have to prioritize what I'm doing. So, But don't you also think it was that you had to deal with emotions that you might not want to deal with because it's uncomfortable? Well, I think in the on the surface, I thought it was because I needed to be busy. Or, okay, I need to get more flexible. I need to get more balanced. So I'll go to this yoga class, but I don't really have time for to do the stuff before and the stuff after. So I'm just going to do skip right to the good part, I thought, and just get the flexibility. Whereas yes, probably, I mean, obviously as I got deeper into yoga, which I always say yoga is magic. It is magical. I didn't expect it to have the profound effect on me that it has had on my life. But yes, definitely as I got deeper into my practice and really started to embracing and opening myself up, it was because I didn't want to be alone with my thoughts. You know, that sometimes our thoughts can be overwhelming or it can bring up feelings of shame or guilt or just all the things that plague us in life that it makes you have to confront it when you're not being distracted. Right. This idea of being alone with your thoughts may make you feel uneasy and it it really lends itself to what you just said that you can be in a crowded room and still be feeling alone in your thoughts and you can be by yourself at home and be as content and happy as can be. So it really matters what to me are different personality types which we've talked about. We have introverted extroverts. We have extroverted introverts and we all need to find the balance if you will of spending time with our own thoughts, our own emotions and there's three kinds of stillness that you wanted to share today. Well, I do want to say something really quickly about that, about the introverted, extroverted. That is what, for years, I always said I was an extrovert and I am an extrovert. I'm very outgoing, but I found out I'm an introvert and it wasn't until I got still that I was able to tap into that. I think I was depleting myself energetically for years because I was staying in that narrative of I wasn't giving myself the room to be still, to be quiet and hear what my mind was saying. And I didn't realize that I don't recharge in big groups. I recharge by myself and I recharge through some stillness. So it's interesting sometimes what comes up that you learn about yourself even when you're being still. But yeah, so there are 
three kinds of stillness. There's the stillness of the mind, which you think about is the space between your ears. That's what allows you to be fully present. And when you do have a still mind, you empty your mind of any preconceptions and you just let yourself sit quietly and reflect. You don't even have to have an agenda when you decide to still your mind. Just let yourself see what comes up and then just let those thoughts essentially just pass through without attaching meaning to them or following them. And then stillness of your spirit and when you're connected when your brain and body and your world are all connected and you have this stillness of spirit what that does is allow you to steer clear of any comparisons it allows you to practice gratitude and it allows you to find some contentment within your spirit and then of course the stillness of your body because we do know you know more and more studies have shown about just how chronic stress the havoc that chronic stress has on your body so that means like if you're just constantly running from place to place to place not giving yourself time to actually have rest. Rest is different than sleep. You know, we often talk about getting adequate sleep. Eight hours of sleep a night. Which is very important. Absolutely. And I'm not minimizing sleep, but I'm saying that sometimes just rest... And I remember you told me one time, because you're busy, you said you would spend Sundays, that was kind of like your down day. You would let yourself take a nap. You might watch some TV or you might read. You gave yourself that time to rest. It wasn't sleep always, but it was something that would allow you to recharge your body. And that has always been a tradition in my family since I was a little girl. And Sundays were the day you would go to church and you would just unplug from technology and all of those kinds of things. We had, when my kids were growing up, Acoustic Sunday, where no technology, just relax, take it down a notch. Well, the three types of stillness correlate with the meaning of yoga. So yoga is a Sanskrit word, which translates in the English language to the yoking together or the union of mind, body, and spirit. And And this month at Soul Studio, we are focusing our Dharma teaching on Yoga Sutra 1.2. And basically, it is this Yoga Sutra is talking about that the meaning of yoga is to still the fluctuations of the mind. And that is Yoga Chitta Vritti Niroda. And that's the Sanskrit word, but it translates to letting yoga be the path that will find stillness and the fluctuations of the mind. So every time you go to your yoga mat, you are practicing letting go of the external and turning to the internal. And I wanted to talk about this idea of an internal landscape and being comfortable with sitting with our internal landscape. And that is the observer of your mind, the observer of your thoughts, the observer of all emotions as they come up. And if you are just constantly go, 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 and you're constantly looking for the next distraction to keep you from having to sit with yourself, at some point you will reach a period of time where you either sit with dis-ease, which turns into disease, disease. or you will experience burnout. And, and so in order to tap into this ability to honor stillness at some time whether it's a weekly, whether it's daily, hopefully we get better and better at tuning in and being self-aware that we're able to carve out time daily, no matter what level of professional we are or whatever our day-to-day, if you're taking care of three children, if you're a high-powered attorney, you know, no matter where you are in your life and what stage of life that you're in, I hope that today's 
today's episode will inspire every one of us to reflect and be with what am I doing to make certain that I'm creating an internal landscape that is balancing out the mind, the body, and the spirit. One thing I think is that when you do start to become comfortable with quieting your mind, being still, you start to crave it. It's uncomfortable at first. It's like if you try new food for the first time, you might be like, oh, you know, when you introduce a food to your child, it usually takes five introductions of a food before a child will develop a palate for it. And that's what I kind of think of with stillness. You don't develop a palate for it right away. You might even hate it. I hated it. I'm not going to lie. Some days it's harder than others and some days it comes more natural. Right. That's another form of non-attachment, letting go of any expectation. So when it's hard, let it be hard. Just say, this is hard. Acknowledge that it's hard, but don't attach to the meaning of it. Don't get caught up in the story of, well, it's so hard. And then I will find myself doing that sometimes. Why is it hard? And I try to figure it out instead of just saying, it's hard today. I'm going to do it, but it's hard. But I do think that you end up, the more that you do it, the more comfortable it becomes, the more you want to do it because it clarifies the rest of your day or the rest of your week in a way that nothing else really does. Well, I really think if there's any takeaway from today's episode, it is focusing on understanding the importance of self-awareness. And some people that are listening today may simply not be aware of the benefits and the importance of solitude and finding this practice of stillness, whatever it may look like in in each individual's life. And so we really are here today to just ask you just to take a moment, no matter what you're doing right now, and just take a breath in through both of nostrils, breathe in fully and fill up the lungs, expand the ribs, and then sigh it out, opening your mouth and just sigh it out. It's as simple as that because a pranayama breathing technique of just equal parts breath where the inhale matches the exhale is a moment for your mind, your body, and your soul to be united in this place of stillness. And it is really powerful. And this is just one little thing you can do no matter where you are and what you're doing. And I know in previous episodes for various other reasons, I have discussed pranayama techniques. And Erin and I both use them when we teach yoga classes. I mean, it's the foundation of the yoga practice of yoking the mind, the body, and the spirit. So it stands to reason if you want to really try to cultivate time in your busy day, no matter what it is you're doing, just a few moments of connecting with your breath will give you that internal landscape of connecting with your your emotions, with your, your mental thoughts. body, yes, yes, all of it. Well, and I say um, I've given talks before on breathing is that you breathe nineteen thousand times a day, and you you don't have to pay attention to any of those. They're mindless. Your body is going to breathe for you always. You're but we're mind- asking you to be mindful. No, but I'm saying, but when you do take that time to actually pay attention to your breath. It brings it into focus so that you can really pay attention to what's going on inside of you. I know we talk a lot about yoga because both of us are yoga teachers and we definitely have both gained a lot of benefits from yoga, but stillness, whether it's a yoga practice, whether it's getting in nature, whether it's breathing, 
whether it's just quiet time when you're driving down the road, turning off the radio, or just letting your mind just have a a chance to unplug from all stimulus, it really starts to allow you to gain clarity. Instead of taking in all of this input all the time, when you're taking in input, it's hard for you to, to get clarity on any of it because it's coming in so fast and mind is making all kinds of connections and patterns. And we've talked about that in the past. And But then when you're allowing yourself some quiet time, you can actually like, huh, okay, tune in on process. something and process. Exactly. The other thing it does is it increases your creativity. I used to tell my kids when they'd say they're bored, I'm like, go find something creative to do. Get out crayons, get out markers, whatever the creativity is. It, it allows your mind to really start to tap into its creative aspect that I believe we may not all be artistic because I don't have an artistic bone in my body. I can draw a great stick figure, but that's about it. (laughs) But we all have an inborn creativity. We all have a gift of creativity in some way, whether it's in crafting language, whether it's in crafting artwork, whatever it is, we all have some kind of creativity. But when we're constantly busy, we don't allow ourselves that time. And then the other thing is that it really does start to calm your mind. And like when Belinda was saying, take that deep breath in, feel your lungs, feel your ribs expand, feel your belly expand. And then when you sigh that breath out, it's immediate to me. It's like a drop in temperature in my mind, in my body. It's like I go from a hundred and I come down to 50. And if I do it again, I come down even lower. You're downgrading your central nervous system, which even if you don't think of it from the benefits for the clarity and all of that, just what it does physically to your body is it takes you out of that fight or flight, that sympathetic state, and puts you in that rest and digest. And you don't even have to believe in yoga to do that. It happens whether you believe it or not. We realize that every person is going to have a different path to stillness. You know, it's like Belinda said, it's not always easy every day. But just allowing yourself to give it a try and then giving yourself grace, not worrying about if you're doing it perfectly. I love it when people say to me, oh, I can't meditate. I'm like, neither can I. If you're thinking about meditating and you think you're not doing it, it actually means you're doing it. Right. Well, I had a, a guy that used to come to my class and he was older and he would go to ashrams every year, meditate for eight hours a day. I said, Charlie, how long can you clear your mind? Because I was thinking he was like a guru. He's like, oh, never. I'm like, oh, this was years ago when I first started teaching because I was thinking I'm doing it wrong. I can't clear my mind or I can't find stillness. He's like, I meditate for eight hours, but each time I just bring myself back to my breath. And I'm like, oh, he's like, you can't meditate wrong. I'm like, yeah, you're right. You can. (laughs) Well, I wanted to just take a moment to appreciate the stillness that we are incorporating right now just because we are mindfully focused on. So a moment of stillness and the quietude that's surrounding you in this moment and allow yourself to just surrender to it and inhale and exhale just this sense of natural rise and fall of the breath. No need to try to alter it and just notice the sense of peace as it's spreading throughout your body. And I want to share with you a poem called The Guest House by Rumi. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house, empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, Meet them all at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. 
That's my favorite Rumi poem of all. And I've read it to many yoga classes. And actually, I come back to read it often. We are so appreciative of you guys tuning in week after week with us. Our podcast is a place where we can inspire each other to make positive changes and embrace all that midlife has to offer. Thank you all so much for joining us on this midlife journey. Bye now. Bye. This has been an E-Squared production.